Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Doug Miller, and this is Amandla. I know last week you heard us honor the passing of South Africa's great poet laureate, Keropatse Kukotsitsile Brawili. And I was preparing this show, just getting ready to go, and the news came of the fall of yet another giant in South Africa's rich musical pantheon, Brahu Masekela. His music, I can't tell you how much it's influenced me over my journey through Africa since the late 60s. Uh, we're going to have this evening Andy Williams uh, in the second half of the show, uh, but in place of our usual intro music, we're playing the first part of his very famous Stimela, <laughs> to showcase his remarkable talent. Uh, after this piece, Gwen will interview uh, Catherine uh, Cummins of uh, Mining Watch Canada about uh, how the Canadian government is trying to improve uh, oversight of Canada's overseas mining companies and, and, and the abuses that they seem to get involved in. I thought that's quite appropriate because Sistilmala is about how miners from all over Africa were abused in South Africa, so stay tuned. Please welcome Hugh Masakela, Herbie Hancock, John Beasley, Lee Rittenauer, Marcus Miller, Terry Lynn Carrington, and Pedrito Martinez performing Stimela. There's a train that comes from Namibia and Malawi. There's a train that comes from Zambia and Zimbabwe. There's a train that comes from Angola and Mozambique. From Lesotho, from Botswana, from Swaziland. From all the hinterlands of Southern and Central Africa. This train carries young and old African men who are conscripted to come and work on contract in the gold and mineral mines of Johannesburg and its surrounding provinces and metropolis. 16 hours or more a day for almost no pay. Deep, deep, deep down in the belly of the earth when they are digging and drilling for that shiny, mighty, evasive stone, or when they dish that mishmash mash food into their iron plates with the iron shovel, or when they sit in their stinky, filthy, funky, flea-ridden barracks and hostels, and they think about the loved ones they may never see again because they might already have been forcibly removed from where they last left them or perhaps wantonly murdered in the dead of night by roving and marauding gangs of no particular origin so we are told they think about their lands and their herds that were taken away from them with the gun and the cannon, with the collaborator and the dog and the tear gas and the poison, with the bomb and the gatling. And when they hear that choo-choo train, 
smoking and a puffing and a pushing and a handling and a rending and a skipping and a putting and a wailing and a moaning and a screaming and a screeching and a They always curse and they curse the coal train. The coal train that brought them to Johannesburg. Stimela.
Yes, so that was, that was an amazing uh, example of the virtuosity of this gentleman. And, and uh sounds like we still got him going in the background there. I have on... The, the, Hugh Masekela died, uh, I guess it was just yesterday. It, it's gone by so fast. And it was such a shock. And I have on the line Andy Williams. Andy, how are you, sir? Okay, thanks. Good evening. Good evening. Nice to hear from you. Andy, we've, we've been uh, colleagues for so long uh, over the years with uh, Jazz Euphorium and, and all the other things you do here at CQT. Could you just introduce yourself a bit to the, 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 the listening audience of Amandla uh, so that they, they know uh, a bit about your background? Okay. Um, I refer to myself as the Afro-Saxon because I was born in England. Um, Jamaican-Cuban <laughs> descendants, um, DJ, um, educator, um, man about town, I guess I can call myself a socialite, and um, living in Montreal for the last 24 years. And you teach somewhere, don't you? Um, not at the present moment. I was teaching at the uh, PACE program at uh, McGill, but now I'm involved with College International Marie de France doing workshops and writing curriculums. Amazing. Okay, Andy, how 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 do, where, where where does Hugh Masekela come into your life? Well, in many different ways, actually. I even had the pleasure of sleeping on a sectional with him and Bobby Womack. <laughs> oh wow! Um, nine, 19, 1995, I believe, for the Off Festival in Chicago. Um, got in late um, from Montreal and couldn't get a hotel room, so went to the Off Festival. Saw a great show with whole bunch of people from the AHDM and at the wee hours in the morning didn't have anywhere to sleep and <laughs> there, I was, there I 
words on the couch with um, You Messed the Kill. It's like, you start off with that, You Messed the Kill and Bobby Womack. So that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's an a amazing great story. story. Amazing yeah. memory. Yeah. So, so, uh, so um, what I can point out to you in terms of the importance of You Messed and they refer to him as the father of South African jazz, and some people might think that would be Dollar Brand, who also, go by, who also goes by the name um, Abdullah Ibrahim. But it is Yumas Akela. Um, he was important for various reasons. He was in a, uh, a group called Z- um, Zaya 74. He was involved with the Uddleston Jazz Band, which was named after Archbishop Trevor Uddleston. Um, the Jazz Epistles, which was Dollar Brand's band. And uh, what's the other band? Um, and then, no, not, and then, then the musical for Tin Kong, which was really big. That's right. That was the, that was the big uh, theater piece. And uh, probably still is the number one theater piece um, in South Africa. That featured um, M- Miriam McCabe at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, well, he met Miriam McCabe when he was with, um, what's the name of the band again? Um, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank right now. The Manhattan Brothers, um, which was around uh, mid-60s, 64 yeah, to yeah. about 66. Because it was only a brief ma- marriage for a couple of years. Then he married um, Cab Calloway's daughter. Chris Calloway, which is also um, oh, good man. trivia. Um, as, as you know, he made some great anti-apartheid songs. One was called Bring Him Back Home, yes. uh, Sway the Blues. But one of my favorite pieces was a song called Gold, which talks about the atrocities and, of the mining industry in South Africa. And um, I've, I've got the, that lined the, up for, for playing oh, you do? in okay. a few seconds. Oh, right on. Um, powerful song, powerful song. Um, he was popular in the UK for a bit um, in terms of some of the songs he was involved with. Um, he was also, well, I should, I should even mention that the reason why he actually left South Africa was due, due to the apartheid, but also because of the Shockville massacre in the 60s. That's right. I, I can't remember what year that was. But 1960, about, actually. Um, there's about um, 69 people killed during that massacre. Mm-hmm. And um, Archbishop Trevor Huddleston got him involved um, in the London scene and got him into Guildhall School of Music. Uh-huh. And he also, after graduating from there, he went to uh, Manhattan School of Music. So, um, so he got a good, yeah. pretty good training then. Yeah, pretty good training. Yeah. And then he went off to the States, and I think he got even uh, a richer and more profound uh, training. That's, that's right. Yeah. So why don't we play the uh, the gold album and we'll work on that political side for a little bit here. Okay. Let me be. Let me be. Let me die in this hole. Let me 
take this gold that's not mine. Let me take this gold that's not mine in this whole hole. I don't know where this gold is going. I don't know where this gold is doing. I don't know what this gold is doing or where it's going. It's interesting that uh, you had mentioned that uh, that he, he had played in a band organized by Trevor Huddleston. In fact, Trevor Huddleston got his first trumpet for, uh, for Louis you from Louis Armstrong. That's right. And, uh, Which and he passed on to you, Massacala. That's right. And so yes. Hugh was playing, although in that track we don't hear any trumpet, it's still uh, a powerful piece about the history, about the oppression, about, Wow. Right. Um, there's, there's some important pieces I should mention. Um, he was influenced by his grandmother, um, and he grew up with his grandmother. And his grandmother um, ran an, an illegal um, bar for minors, which at the time was which was which was a pretty scary thing to do. And she kind of rem- she kind of reminds me of like Fela Kuti's mom, who actually 
was politically active that way also, you know, with things. And they're from a, a, a place, um, a township. Um, and I'm not really sure where, which, which bank is, but I think it's in Johannesburg, outside Johannesburg. Just outside of Johannesburg, yeah. Yeah. And um, so they came, you know, we came from a middle-class family, but with, you know, they, they felt comfortable living in the townships. His dad was an inspector, and his mom was a social worker. But um, he actually lived there for quite a while before moving to Johannesburg. And 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 what was interesting as well was the uh, the the fact that he had quite a uh, a career going in South Africa before he had to leave. Uh, That's in the, right. In the early sixties. Well, as I mentioned, uh, those those were really prominent bands: the Zaire Seventy Four with Stuart Levine, um, also the Manhattan Brothers, which was a big band where, where he met Mir Makiba. Mm-hmm. The um, the band with Dollar Brand, um, they were called um, the Jazz Epistles. Uh, which featured a lot of big names, a lot of big heavyweights. And that was the late 50s going into the 60s before he split. And then 1960, with the Sharpeville Massacre, things really turned around and the oppression got heavier and heavier. And by then, what was interesting is Trevor Huddleston had been deported from South Africa. He was not a national. And so he'd been yeah. deported back to England. And once again, Trevor Huddleston gives... Uh, Hugh Massacre a break by helping get him out of the country. That's right, that's right, yeah. Which is a real good, it's probably the most prestigious um, music school in, in London. And um, he, was quite for, he was quite fortunate to actually go to that school. And then he ends up in, 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 in USA where he makes a big hit. Right. But not alone. Yeah, uh, we, we can go on for days of, um, you know, with UMass Keller. His uh, discography is easily about 40 albums. Oh, my gosh. But, but he worked with Dizzy Gillespie. He actually did That's some right. time with Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was all over the jazz scene. Uh, he played at the, uh, oh, my gosh, what was that festival? The uh, uh, Oh. Oh, I'm, I'm well, he played in pretty much every festival. But the, the, um, the, the one where he festival, was with Janet Joplin and uh, the Monterey Pop Festival. Well, Monterey, okay, yeah. And uh, and he was yeah. there. Well, I got to see him at the African Festival in Chicago, and it's a great time to go to Chicago in, um, in September because you have the the Jazz Festival itself, you've got the Africa Festival, and you also got the Off Festival, which is you know starts after midnight. Oh wow! And yeah, it's a great weekend. So if anyone's taking notes right now, um, <laughs> September's the place to be in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. So so around about, uh, now we're just talking in the late 60s, he comes out with uh, a couple of really great jazz tunes that do number one in the in the hit parade, uh, Grazing in the Grass and Up, Up and Away. That's right. That's right. So he... And then um, we have to also factor in his time with, um, was it The Birds? Oh my God! And, and, and then Paul Simon. Yeah, it was the birds, and then Paul Simon. Paul Simon is what Simon. now, but now yeah. we're talking in the eighties, right? Right, but that's still you know that's still a, a big deal considering you know small town South Africa dude you know playing with heavyweights. Well, what and I have I'm, I'm, lined up here is yeah. uh, is uh, is uh, the uh, cut at the um, that the, Paul Simon. Uh, introduces him 
at the Graceland uh, uh, show in Zimbabwe in 1987, where he mm -hmm. sings and plays that song, uh, Bring Back Nelson Mandela. Or, uh, and, and before you play, we should also mention that he was part of Rumble in the Jumble, Jungle, the Muhammad Ali fight, fight in, in Congo, right? Mm. He, he, you know, and that featured a lot of great artists like James Brown and you know, um, Curtis Mayfield, a whole bunch of, you know, we can go Oh, the that. Rumble in the Jungle. Rumble in the Jungle, sorry. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. When yeah. they brought together, oh, that was amazing. There's another film on that, uh, although I don't remember him being mentioned in it. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. He's part of that. Wow. So let's let's just have a quick listen to uh, to this, uh, this uh, Bring Back Nelson. Hugh Masakela. That was 1987, three years before the release of Nelson Mandela. And I don't know if you remember, Andy, but the crowd in that place was almost all white South Africans who had come up from all over South Africa to see their, their African heroes sing uh, in, uh, with, the, with the Paul Simon. Right. It was an amazing, amazing scene. People should look up that Graceland show in 1987. So, Andy, what will people remember about Hugh Masekela in the end? Um, someone who was highly political, someone who loved his country, and probably one of the most influential uh, jazz musicians in South Africa. Absolutely. And, and I remember uh, when he played at the Arts Centre here, 
must have been just after Mandela was out, 91 or so, 1991, mm-hmm. 92. And he had a whole crew of musicians with him and and was bragging about hey folks there are so many more like them down there <laughs> which is true especially in the townships oh yeah and he was yeah. one of the big promoters of that jazz yeah very interesting fellow and I, I hope people will actually spend some time listening to him now and you know rest in peace I, I, I really enjoyed what I was listening to when I was a kid. My parents always had Mary Makiba records at home. Uh, I don't recall them having any um, Yuma Skilla albums, but uh, Mary Makiba albums for sure and other South African records. Because uh, at the time when my my dad went to England, well, my parents, I should say my parents actually, when my parents were in England, they went to England in 1952. And there was a big entourage. There's an entourage of... um, South Africans, Nigerians, and and West Indians at the time, so we all got we all got along. According to my dad, they all got along and they shared music. And 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 when Hugh came along, he would have been very much part of that scene. Right, Andy. I want to thank you very much for your uh, your contribution tonight. Uh, we're You're just going to go on to the pop song that he did in, 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 in America, Grazing in the Grass, which really gave, uh, if one wants to call it the world beat, a real sound of South Africa. Right. Coincidentally, I, I played at a place called um, Groove Nation on Friday for uh, a, a project called Afro Discoteca, and I played uh, Don't Go Loose, Baby. And then, then Monday I find out that he passed away. So, Man. you know, wow. It's yeah. I, I I feel as 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 shocked as you do and and share mm-hmm. your sorrow. Right. Thank you so much, Andy. Oh, you're welcome. Good night. Okay. Bye now. Sound, Grazing in the Grass, was a number one hit on all the charts in America in 1968. Grazing in the Grass. And, and uh, you know, it, it 
that's when I started getting involved in Africa. And it, it just gave you the feel of South Africa, that movement, that sound. Gwen, I spoke, when I spoke to Andy, I talked about that show at Place des Arts, and uh, I can't even remember exactly the year, but it was literally Probably months ni- after. Probably 93, I think, 92 or 92, something like 92, 93, yeah. and, and, and he and Miriam McCaber were on tour with a whole gang of South African, young South Africans. I, I just remember uh, so much uh, Miriam introducing one young gal who sang her heart out and said, uh, some people think she's my daughter. No, she's my granddaughter. Mm. And then Hugh uh, was the one who just said, all these guys are so great and there's so many more. You had a special place at that show. Yeah, Can you tell us a yeah, little bit about a, that? kind of a bit of a crazy story. So context here is Nelson Mandela has been released from prison. The country is speeding towards its first non-racial elections. And the anti-apartheid movement is galvanized because Mandela's out. Elections are about to happen. And what becomes sort of the, uh, the the final act in the anti-apartheid movement in those years was raising money for voter education back in South Africa because we're, none of us are naive. We all recognize that in those first free non-racial elections, there is going to be a huge push towards disenfranchisement of the black majority. And so the international anti-apartheid movement adopts as its uh, this this final gesture, raising money to send back to South Africa for voter education and make sure that people are not disenfranchised, that they exercise their hard-won right to vote in the first non-racial election. So um, so here, Hugh Masekela and Miriam McCabe are in Montreal, Place des Arts, uh, anti-apartheid movement here in Quebec were knee-deep in trying to raise money for voter education. And I found find out at work the day that they're going to be in town. I wasn't aware they were going to be in town. I didn't have money at the time. Oh, I my goodness. Certainly couldn't afford a ticket to go to Place des Arts and see them play. And I'm at work, and I find out that they're there, and I'm thinking, oh, if there is any way we could get into Place des Arts and announce the voter education uh, fundraiser, we could make tons of money oh, because man. You know, we were just we were so shoestring you know oh. we had created these little cardboard cube boxes that we were setting up in dépanneurs and at NGOs and stuff so that people could it was called a dollar for democracy that's right that was the slogan a dollar for democracy so we were asking people <laughs> to put loonies in our little boxes and so we had them like distributed all over Montreal and in other towns and cities in Quebec so Boom, we find out that we're there. How can we get into Place des Arts and get our boxes there so that when people are leaving the concert, they can put their loony in for the, you know, their dollar for democracy. So I just audaciously pick up the phone and call Place des Arts and say, you know, who's organizing this? Is there any way that we can get this going? And the woman on the other end of the line is like, oh, you know, who, who are you? Are and you? What, are you, what the heck are you talking about? But to her credit... She's like, okay, let me see what I what I can make happen here. And so what we were pushing for was that Miriam Makeba and Hugh Masekela would make the announcement on stage that there's this dollar for democracy campaign, voter education, the money is going back to the to South Africa through the ANC for voter education. Anyway, the answer was no, they were not going to make the announcement. 
But at about five o'clock that evening, as I'm leaving work, she calls back and says, you and Aziz Fal, my co-conspirator in all of this and co-conspirator here on Amandla, you two can come down and make an announcement at the beginning of the show. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. (laughs) So we race down to Place des Arts. And sure enough, like before we know it, Aziz and I have not said a word to each other. And boom, we're on the stage at Place des Arts, facing thousands of people. Ridiculous. Unlike you, I had afforded a ticket. Nellie and I were not going to miss Miriam McCabe and Hugh Masekela. And there we were in the audience. (laughs) And the spotlight is on these two people. It's ridiculous. Basically, two kids standing on stage thousands of people and we just had to do our spiel so Aziz did it probably very eloquently in French I did it probably not very eloquently in English but at the end of the show we were out there with our little cardboard boxes and I think we made $800 that night of people putting you know their loonies in our boxes and which was a tremendous success for us because you know that that was a lot of money for us a lot of money at the time it all got shipped off to South Africa for voter education but, and but in fact you got to touch Hugh oh, and Mary. Yeah. And then, yes, in the back. So then we leave the stage awkwardly and all embarrassed and completely shocked that we were out there in the first place. And, you know, we go backstage and there's Hugh Masekela and Miriam McKeba. And they, you know, they gave us these very sweet, appreciative smiles. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear let's more hear Hugh. Let's hear Good more night, Hugh, Hugh Thank you, Hugh. You've given the world a great deal. So bye-bye, Hugh Masekela. We said bye-bye to Miriam Makeba a little while back. And now, Hugh, you've just contributed so much to all of us the world over, and we will always be indebted to you. So thank you so much. And thank you to um, Heldon and uh, Yassine on the board. Doug, I'm Gwen. We'll be back next week, but stay tuned now for Jazzy Forum. <laughs>